So the 56-pound throw is, um, it's essentially like a kettlebell on a chain and you have to throw it as far as you can with one hand. Uh, so it, as you can imagine, it's, it's kind of populated mainly by large mountain bears and farmers <laughs> who can kind of just lean over and drop it about 10 meters. And I threw a solid four and a half meters, which I was happy with. Okay. That's a PB. We take those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a little bit outside. Where did you time. place? Oh, was uh, anybody doing it? Sixth of six. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Picked up some points though. This is it. This is it. Yeah, you got to pick your points. battles. You got to do what you got to do. What would you do? Is, is this similar? Yeah, is this similar to like a hammer? Oh, you spin around? No, no. As in like, it's literally like a kettlebell swing in that you have... It's like the Scottish lads in like, kilts used to like... Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So games. just hinge back and throw it as far as you can. Just let it go, let it rip uh, and see how far you get. Hello and welcome to episode number 43 of For Fit Sake, the podcast brought to you by FS Gyms. Joined by Rudds as always. Hello folks. And joined by Coach Jamie from FFS. Jamie, how are you doing? Yeah, very well, thanks. How are you getting on? Jamie's here to talk all things speed, athletics, um, performance training for athletics. Um, but before we get on to Jamie, Rudd's any crack for us this week? Uh, just been doing lots of sprint training for the big race after after the podcast with Jamie. Uh, Is that like a forfeit? You're going to end up racing Jamie or? Straight 100 meter sprint like you and DMAC did down the street after. Is that actually going to happen? <laughs> it won't last long. We oh, did, I love that. We did a trial run in UCD. Uh, we did like a kind of just sharing what we'd all learned from different sources on speed training uh, about six or eight weeks ago. Myself, uh, Jamie and the two Daras who coach here. Uh, and we went on the the field there and we were doing it and basically uh, obviously it all cum- culminated in a race uh, which not competitive dudes or anything a 50 meter race uh, and uh, yeah I saw the back of Jamie and he got further away I'm assuming you won Jamie uh, much to my disappointment actually <laughs> DMAC <laughs> oh my god he's the wrong he's coach on to talk about sprinting and athletics 50 meters. but you were holding off your hamstring yeah you, you, you were nursing for without, three months without, without uh, giving, a, uh, giving away and DMAC third day training in a row and DMAC looks like he's about to explode and I I beat DMAC in a sprint down the bus lane on Leeson Street about six months ago yeah so that means does that mean I'm the fastest coach yeah. at FFS maybe it should be me you I'm the right time uh, yeah listen I'm ready to go I've got yeah, my jeans, jeans on, on yeah. DMAC called me out one morning he did a, a 30 minute warm up caught me at the end of class and said <laughs> let's race down Leeson Street stepped up and piped him but anyway we're not here to talk about me beating DMAC but just to say it again uh, hard luck again DMAC that time you called me out and lost but anyway Jamie uh, Rudd's it's pretty exciting to have Jamie in here because um, Jamie's sort of pioneering um, everything that we're doing speed-wise at FFS and that's coming through your own background in, in training, Jamie. How did you get into athletics most importantly? What, what events are you currently racing in? So uh, primarily I'm racing in 100 meter and 200 meter and I recently dipped into a 400 meter there, literally just at the weekend gone, uh, but 100 and 200 be my main events. Okay. And you're out of um, DSD Athletics Club out in Dundrum? That's it. So it's it's Dundrum, South Dublin, uh, but we're based in Irishtown primarily. So we use the Irishtown Stadium track. Uh, I started there about this time last year. So I've been, I was late to the game essentially in that I only started a year ago, if not more. So I'm still kind of playing catch up, but yeah, it's been a good year so far with them. And what was your background beforehand for people who are listening? Obviously, I know your background, but what was your um, sort of sporting background that brought you into athletics? Sure. So um, primarily, like I've been playing rugby mainly for the last couple of years in 
essentially since secondary school. So I played it right through secondary school into college, out of college, and I've kind of tapered that off a little bit as the the athletics has taken more and more traction there. Um, but I kind of first got a taste for athletics, I suppose, and speed work, specifically the sprint work, uh, when I was working with the, well, I say working with, when I was on the SCT in uh, St. Andrews College. So with that, we had a coach there, obviously, Every week you kind of drip feed us a little bit of um, drills in terms of like posture and uh, cueing for driving the knees and kind of just a few plyometrics as well. And I found that that was actually something that I was just really good at and really enjoyed. And uh, that was kind of as far as I went at the time. Um, but then since then, I've always kind of had an interest in it. So I'll dip into like learning a little bit about the mechanics of it and kind of just tried out myself. And then that kind of led into me wanting to be strength and conditioning coach went and worked as an intern in New Zealand with a, a rugby academy over there for a year um, and that was a large part of that and then after that I came back and I was a rugby coach in St. Jared's for two years after that and during it I got in touch with Mike South ended up doing the internship um, and it's been plain sailing ever since and Mike South's disappointed because he's lost a good uh, winger slash centre in railway to a man who's taken up athletics more through his passion so that's unlucky Mikey um, and am I correct in saying I've, I've been sort of tracking your progress with athletics did you end up because your team just being the ultimate team player that you are um, stepping up and competing in some events outside of your comfort zone <laughs> recently is this rumour true? yeah so um so essentially, I suppose I'll give you a quick rundown of how the league rounds work, right? Because those are like the big events across the summer, especially the outdoor season. Um, so you've two league rounds. Uh, the first league round was on the 19th of May, just gone. And then the next league round coming up is going to be on the 30th of this month, June, right? So within that, there's 20 events. You enter your team into those events. You can have three events that you don't compete in but you get points for every event that you are in. So it's nine points for first place, seven for second, six for third, so on, all the way down. So there's a couple of events like, you know, the five kilometer walk and the 56 pound throw, which some teams, you don't have many people on your team who actually compete in these events. So just if you actually get someone to enter into those events, you know, there's maybe nine, seven, five points up for grabs there. Uh, just by competing like you don't have to do very well in it because there might only be one other person in the race <laughs> for example 5k walk in the last round had one person in it so that was an easy nine points for whatever team had that person in it so if we had entered anyone in like we would have picked up more points for that than we would for like our 200 meter or our 100 meter sprinters okay. who did well but placed third so you know it's uh, a lot of it is just making sure that you fill the events each time so um with that in mind, uh, we didn't have anyone who would do the 56 pound throw. Um, for anyone who doesn't know what a 56 pound throw is. I like is. the way you look straight at Rudds being like, yeah. where were you that day, Rudds? <laughs> would have, uh, that would have been like a 20 meter throw if Rudds was there. Uh, so the 56 pound throw is, um, it's essentially like a kettlebell on a chain and you have to throw it as far as you can with one hand. Uh, so it, as you can imagine, it's it's kind of populated mainly by large mountain bears and farmers <laughs> who can kind of just lean over and drop it about 10 meters. And I threw a solid four and a half meters, which I was happy with. Okay. That's a PB. We take those. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, but yeah, it's a little bit outside. Where did you place? Oh, was uh, anybody doing it? Sixth. Sixth. Oh, six. Okay. <laughs> Picked up some points, though. This is it. This is it. Yeah, you got to pick your points. battles. You got to do what you got to do. What would you is this, is this similar? Yeah, is this similar to like a hammer? Oh, you spin around. No, no. As in, like, it's literally like a kettlebell swing in that you have. Is it like the, the Scottish lads in kilts like, used to, like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Highland so games. You just hinge back and throw it as far as you can. Just let it go, let it rip. Uh, and see how far you get. We should start it's a intensely difficult. Yeah, FFS Athletics Club get Big C swinging. He loves the kettlebell swings. If you launch the ground like the the gas canister. But uh, remember, you used to do yeah, the kettlebell yeah, yeah. swings, the gas canister. When I was in school, we did a similar thing where, like, um, basically for athletics, every year you'd enter into like the West Flamorgan Championships, which is there we're in, and then um, basically you have to send people for each event, and then one year. We didn't have people for a load of events because, uh, like, less as we got older, less people got interested in those mm. things. So our PE teacher was our rugby coach, and he asked myself and two of the other rugby players. He said, "Please, will you do me a favor? You could have a day off school if you come and compete <laughs> in this, but like, you got to do whatever events I tell you." Uh, so he just fill, he filled he filled the the roster with us doing other events. So one of the guys, uh, Tom so like he's so so strong uh, and like an awesome athlete so he basically came in and did shot put and a few other events but he ended up beating all the people who trained for shot put and won and got put through to represent like Wales in the shot put uh, the, other, the other guy was a good athlete as well uh, he's captain of our rugby team so he did well in a few of them I got put in uh, javelin hammer throw triple jump Triple jump, I didn't make the sand. <laughs> <laughs> the, la- the last one, I kept messing up the sequencing because I'd never done it before. And then the last one, I just ran and long jumped into the sand just to get in the sand, just DQ. And then the, 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 jav- the javelin, the first one, I went to run up and throw. And like, I hadn't done it in ages and had forgotten like all the technique cues and stuff. What so, you hadn't done in ages? Have you ever done it like Yeah, we you? used to do it in school. Oh my God. Yeah, you get to do it in school. So like, uh, Hot ran, lads ran in up, the valleys. I ran up and I had the thing turned sideways to get like an extra bit of whip like a golf swing <laughs> but there was a girl there with a clipboard standing to the right of me oh, and no. I, ran, I came running towards her and it turned sideways oh. and she she jumped on the floor and I threw it and it went straight and it was fine I didn't I didn't place but it was fine <laughs> went in the round uh, but she, she she was scared but then the third event I did was the hammer throw and it wasn't me now we're cooking now we're cooking but but this one I didn't necessarily do anything out of the ordinary so I got three of them I got all three of them out of the cage so I was happy with that jeez that's impressive but again again, didn't place Um, but then there was a few other guys and you kind of stand in there about to go into the cage and you're chatting and you're like have you ever done this before Uh, to some of them and I noticed one guy who looked a bit like me in terms of looked like just a rugby player doing it so I asked him and he's like no I've never done it before <laughs> uh, and I was like what do your coach tell you he's telling you he's like okay this sounds pretty similar to me uh, so he got he got in the cage he span around and uh, to the left of the cage directly to the left of the cage about 10 metres another poor left. woman with a clipboard no there was uh, the the high jump oh so the high God. jump mat and whatever so it's directly to the left so you think it's impossible to get it there and obviously he's in the cage so he span around a few times and then leant back and launched it and it went straight up and out of the cage oh really high and they're like look out look out look out and there's a girl about to jump and the, the hammer just went 
boom into the into the, mat, where, where, into the mat where she did, and they pulled him out to like you're not allowed to do it yeah. oh my god so like it's, it's interesting it's a good segue but it's kind of like from what I've heard from you and just speaking to you in the gym and obviously whatever the hell happens in Wales with picking athletics teams <laughs> there's obviously a lot of challenges for athletics clubs whether it's at school level or at your level now where it's, it's a club of like mostly young adults to adults I would imagine um, what kind of challenges do clubs face from I suppose recruitment to getting people for events like you've talked about up to funding competing is it similar to other sports in terms of the challenges they might face uh, I think in terms of funding it's actually they probably do pretty well in terms of funding a lot of clubs will just run their own uh, events like mini marathons um, sports days and some of them will even run like graded meets so they will basically invite athletes from other clubs to come and race as if it was like a league round um, so they can fundraise that way um, I think the main problem is retention um, going from specifically like the younger groups the under 18s into kind of like college age there tends to be like a really big drop off um, in athletes so you'll find that while like even in our club the under 18s crowd is like numbering in the 30s or 40s in terms of athletes and that's okay. just for the short distance there's more again who are doing the longer like endurance and then the field sports as well but like for our short range group like our sprints group which will be like 100 200 and 400 um at the seniors level which is our level and masters as well we're all grouped in together masters is over 35s um we might have like 15 to 20 people training a couple of people will have to pull out uh, just for league rounds who yeah. have done it with us in the past and um, so yeah retention it seems to be a really really big problem obviously because a lot of the training is quite intense like if you're in school you don't have necessarily other pursuits that you're following so track and field can take up like a huge amount of your life you might be training four times a week uh, it's like you go to school you do track afterwards that's just like really really regimented then you move on to college and you have like you know you have your college life you're meeting new people you can drink all these other things uh, and as well as that it's just like you've been working so hard at this and maybe you haven't gotten to the level that you thought you were going to get to and you're just like well you know why would I keep doing it and um, now a lot of those people seem to come back after college a little bit after that but definitely there's a there's a massive drop off there as well there's, there's a lot though I'd imagine of like uh, rugby clubs soccer teams GA that to have 30 or 40 under 18s turning up to training will be huge I know from like my own club in Kilkenny playing rugby like if, if we had 30 or 40 young lads out for under 18s training or between a mixture of guys and girls between both teams you'd be pretty happy with that so obviously in terms of underage stuff it's pretty popular but like I suppose for people that drop away from it for whatever reasons life commitments there's surely a huge benefit to I suppose other sports becomes a problem as well for people when they they kind of like I know with kids they can kind of they seem to have all the energy in the world to to not specify their sport early mm -hmm. but like there's surely huge benefits to for parents looking to get their children involved in athletics to help them in, in field sports as well absolutely I, th I think like in terms of one just the like exposing them to different stimulus of like movements and helping them move better in different planes. Like there's plenty of research that shows that the more ways that you move as a child, like the better you'll be able to move as you grow on. Right. Uh, and as well as that, I think actually I found that this is something that obviously me being late to the game is kind of like a late realization for me, but coming into track and field, like it's all individual, right? So it's, it's unique in that you're like in charge of your fate, like your outcome all the time. So you can't just, blame it on someone else you're accountable for how you perform how your like results go and I haven't coached team sports and been in team sports and I'm definitely guilty of this myself as well sometimes 
you might feel like you've played really well in the match and this was like your best performance of the season you did everything you could but the result didn't go your way and then some people might think that's like well you know this person kind of faded off a bit early they were out the night before and it's easy then to transfer the blame onto someone else and like maybe you did have the best game that you've ever had but could it have been better probably there's always like one or two percenters that you can kind of make a change to but if you have these other things where it's like well they're not bothering you know why should i bother then or maybe like it just means that you don't reflect upon your own performance in a really objective way because you're like well i was the best person out on the pitch but maybe you could have been better Whereas with athletics, you know, you go out, you run your race, you finish, you get your time or your distance for, for if it's a throw or whatever it might be. And it that's yours. Like you can't place that blame on someone else. So it becomes a bit like a case of, you know, okay, what could I have done better on the day? What could I have done better the day before, the week before? What could I change about my training, my nutrition, my sleep? So it just keeps you very accountable, which I find really, really interesting. I'd imagine, well, just from my limited experience of doing individual sports, especially those shorter distance ones. So, for instance, the Olympic weightlifting, where you got three attempts and they're over in the blink of an eye. The thing I found with it was there was a definite, a huge adrenaline leading up to doing it and like an unbelievable feeling after you do it. Whereas in a team sport, you still have that huge adrenaline, but it's, it, there's kind of, it lasts so much longer yeah. and you once you get into the game a lot of those nerves go away and you just settle in and you, it's like training or the games you've played before mm. whereas uh, I found with the weightlifting because it's just you it's a build up and then you get a chance and it's over so quick is that kind of the similar feeling that you get with the, the, the sprints in terms of you wait so long for it you've got to crack at it and it's over in the blink of an eye yeah absolutely like so the the, the seasons are quite short, right? Like realistically with the league rounds, uh, if you do well in the league rounds, you'll probably make the final. That'll be your season lasting two months going from, let's see, May to like mid-July. Um, then if you do really well in that league round final, you might get uh, to the Europeans. So max season length is going to be three months. And within that, that might only be like three days, four days of actual like you know top level sprinting everything else beyond that is kind of like experience but it doesn't count towards the end of like your club result so even just in terms of a season like there might only four days that matter that really really matter to the outcome of like your performances and your team's outcome as well and then within that like on the day you know you're you're warming up for like 30 40 minutes then you've got a 100 meter sprint you get in the blocks and just it's over like it's it's done so like there's all these nerves leading up to it but it just passes so quickly. How do you find that then? Are you someone who focuses on uh, the result or is it a case of the process and you do you just look at your own time and say, okay, well, because it's, it's very easy to look at. You could lose a race, but you can run a PB at the same time. Like, how do you, what do you use? Do you just use my own times? That's all I'm trying to beat if I win the race. So what? Or are you like, I'm going out to win the race. How do you approach that mindset? So it's 100% I just go against my own times. And then even within that, like, I try not to be outcome focused in that like I've run this PB and now I have to get under that because maybe on that day you know conditions were perfect and I ran really well and I can't necessarily control all those parts I'll just control what I can control run the best race that I can on that day in that moment and then if I get a PB on top of that great um, but that was like a big realization for me as well in that with especially because I'm coming late to it, there's people that I'm racing against who are one younger than me, so probably are, you know, 
maybe in slightly better shape. You're talking like you're as old as me and Rudd's here. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I mean? As in like they've, I guess the more important factor is maybe they've been doing track and field since they were like eight years old, right? So maybe they have 16, 17 years of track right the way through. I've had like a limited stimulus and like exposure to it uh, in that, you do a bit of speed work with rugby, you do a bit of speed work in your own time, but it's not as specific to the sport. So really, I've only had like a proper year doing it. So there's no point in me comparing myself to someone who's been doing it their whole life, who that has been their speciality the whole time. Um, And if I beat them, great, but like it's so unlikely anyway that it's not a good benchmark for me to put myself against. So yeah, it's just about, I have a time in my head, but... It's really just, I'll run the race as best I can. And then if I do that, I should PB. If I feel like I ran a race really, really well and I don't PB, then there's something that either I'm not training well or there's something in my nutrition that I need to look at or my recovery. There's something that I can change there because if I've run a time before, I should be able to run it again. I love that thought of the, just like ownership of what you're doing because we've talked about before us on the show where people who <clears throat> might PB in the gym, they might, you know, bench press the best they've ever benched and they look across at another bar and see someone lift 20 kilos more than them and all of a sudden that that affects how they feel about themselves. Mm-hmm. It's like there's something definitely not for people to take of even though you're directly competing with these guys and you want to win because like you're a competitive guy, but you can still just focus on your performance and if you know you're happy with it and you've done all you can, you can take that away as a big positive. And I think if people took that mindset to their own training, their nutrition, their fitness goals or whatever it might be, is just focus on your own process and like your outcome. Don't look at somebody else next to you and let that affect how you feel about yourself. Yeah, important things that you can control. In terms of, to kind of, I'd love to touch a bit deeper on what you're thinking when you're running in terms of, I've read a few things recently with regards to uh, queuing and speed. And are you thinking any technical thoughts when you're racing? As in, do you have like one or two things that you're focusing on? Or is it a case of in the training, you're thinking of technical cues and then when you go out and race, you go, just go, 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 go. Is, go. Is, is, is yeah. well, how does that work That's a great for you? question. Uh, so, yeah, it's, I suppose, specific to the race, like especially with a 100 meter um, you, you're kind of trying to focus on maybe like one or two things for like we'll call it the two halves of the race yeah. the first half being the block start and the second half being like once you've kind of gotten out of your acceleration phase and you're just going for your, your drive through right your top speed Um, in terms of the block starts like I've mainly been just trying to focus on one thing and that's making sure that I'm pushed back into the blocks because uh, if you aren't like basically you want to be coiled up like a spring and if you waste time like not being fully coiled up like your first movement is you'll push your foot back into the plate you've already wasted like a tenth maybe two tenths of a second really right um so that's that's been a big focus for me but like especially coming out of the blocks like your your brain just switches off you don't have time to think so it's it really comes down to you know have you been concentrating on what you've been doing in training to kind of ingrain the habit of when I do come out of the block, I'm getting a good long stride. My attack angle is nice and low, but I'm not falling too far forward that I have to like correct myself and get myself tall again. Um, so you spend a lot of time just hammering home like the the basics and those kind of cues while you're training. And then you pretty much just have to hope that when you come and execute at your maximum intensity that you've done that well enough that you don't have to think about it. Yeah. That being said, uh, obviously 
the block start is over in a flash so you don't have time to think about that but for the second half of the 100 where you're getting up to top speed uh like there's still seven seconds of a race in that that you're going to be running for so you do kind of realize that like, you have enough time to feel what you're doing well and what you're not doing well and you can try and correct those as you go it probably will be too late at that point anyway because you know it's such a fine margin that if you're 50 meters into the race and you realize you know i'm leaning back too much and i've lost my core you're probably only gonna like if you correct that it might be the difference of a hundredth or two hundredth of a second but it's it's definitely worth doing it's probably something you're already mindful of in regards of you probably have that one thing that you normally do so maybe you're you know you're you're kind of preparing or you've got a trigger to help you to 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 focus on that when you're running is in it's not a case of you start running and then you got time to start thinking i'm running weird my hips are shifting you're not going to be able to analyze why you're doing it but you might have with golf they say like a swing thought you might have one thing that you're focusing on that yeah. you when when you get that you focus on that just to keep you executing the way you want to execute. Definitely. In your own training, then how much of what what's your training schedule look like? And as part of that question, how important is strength training as as part of your training for your track and field events? Sure. So um, my week to week schedule because uh, I see you doing a lot of curls in the gym and not not a lot of leg work. So <laughs> we want to know is that the key? I mean, I do it in my own time. <laughs> I, I make time for both. You know, you gotta you gotta. Keep your priorities. Yeah. Uh, so a general week for me in terms of training will be, uh, I'll train probably five days a week. So two of those are spent on the track uh, and we can go into those in a bit more detail in a moment if you like. Um, so those are specifically on the track, uh, plyometrics, uh, long warmups, all that good stuff. Um, outside of that, in terms of strength training, um, the upper body, I have two upper body sessions a week that I do just to kind of like maintain strength and physique. And part of it is just the enjoyment of like, you know, I like bench pressing. I like doing chin-ups. Um, and then, yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, and then especially like if I'm training with yourself and the ball, like it's kind of just part of it is getting in and training with a good crew because it's good fun. Yeah. Um, so I do that mainly for the enjoyment. And it's not probably like as specific to sprint as it could be. Uh but outside of that, I'll have one lower body day that I'll try and do a week. Um, I'll change that up depending on like how my body feels, right? So it's typically on a Monday. So you might have raced on a Sunday. Um, so when you come in, maybe on the Monday, it's like a couple of sets of squats or split squats just to kind of get the body moving. But you mightn't really be going max out. Um, but outside of that, if you just had like training with the track on the Saturday, you had a nice rest day on a Sunday, or you just kind of did a little bit of aerobic work to get yourself loosened up, then I would definitely come in and do some strength work on the Monday. That's either like heavy split squats specifically, because I think the unilateral work is really important because at no point in a race are you pushing off both feet in the same time. Now squatting is important, but I think like the unilateral work, like you have to have a big focus on that if uh, sprinting or like any track event is going to be a big part so of So you rear foot elevated split squats, lunges, that, that kind of stuff? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And then within that, it's it's very much strength focused because I find that probably the weaker portion of my race is the acceleration. Um, and like a really simple equation, if we're going to get a little bit with, into the physics of it for uh, acceleration is like force equals mass times acceleration. So you can change that to acceleration equals uh, force divided by mass. So either if you want to increase the acceleration, you have to increase the force through strength training, right? So that can be your uh, working in your like three to five rep range, heavy squats, um, or you want to decrease your mass. 
So there's a dichotomy there because we all want to get bigger, but you want to get faster as well. So, uh, yeah, I think the strength training is, is really important. If you want to increase your acceleration, you have to be able to generate more force. In, t- Go on, in terms of like a few kind of interesting things with that, like over my own learning over the last while, um, one of the big things that I've kind of learned is the difference between that acceleration phase and then that top speed in regards of like you're talking about the biggest thing one of the biggest things with that acceleration is the force to the floor just putting big force to the floor you have longer ground contact time than you would when you're running at a top speed to help you create that uh, force to the floor so for instance i train a few people who are not athletics but are athletes and when they say they want to get faster one of the big priorities for me in terms of their programming is like you're talking about those heavy weights those low repetitions um, and focusing on trying to keep their body weight the same and get them stronger at that body weight so you don't necessarily i don't necessarily do too much volume with them in terms of our accessory or assistant stuff we do enough to keep them healthy and to build muscle in all the right areas and help to iron out some imbalances but we spend a lot more time on that strength work because it's more developing the nervous system to produce more force as opposed to building bigger muscles because even if you got someone stronger and slightly different in a contact sport like rugby but if you're talking about purely for athletics if, if as, as an athlete in 100 meters if you get someone stronger but then you add another couple of kilos of muscle you could negate that strength Huge benefit. Difference, you, so. could ne- you could negate that strength benefit you've worked so hard for um, so they're That's kind of two interesting things that, that you know that I've learned over the last while is in terms of that, that acceleration one of the biggest things is that force to the floor and that forward body lean and being able to do that and then the other thing is just if you can get someone to stay the same weight and produce more force they should get faster but that's really interesting for anyone younger listening to this like I remember when I was finishing school everything was about getting bigger with rugby and I'm delighted to see that like it's still the case everyone wants to be big for rugby because you want to be strong you want to put force to the floor but also you want to be strong for collisions to win to win collisions and that's a big part of the game especially like schools rugby at the minute like I've gone to watch a couple of games over the last few years with Mike down to Donnybrook and like Jesus like the size of some of those kids like while I was playing senior rugby in AIL at like 21 or 2 these guys are bigger than me like much bigger than me oh I but, wouldn't look forward to tackling them now yeah, I know I wouldn't go out there but uh, the thing is that everything was about getting bigger and what I found is when I went into college and I did put on a lot of weight that was mostly thanks to hanging out with you Rudds and eating when you ate but when spar. I spar a lot of breakfast rolls and yeah so when I did put on that weight I was definitely bigger I was definitely so much stronger but like my game was built on speed and I didn't I was still very fast but like I, I noticed it, it was getting much harder to try and turn yeah. a guy. And for me, it was that personal, for anyone who's listening, who's kind of like 15, 16, 17, 18. It, like I now, as an, an older guy looking back, I wouldn't have put so much time into getting bigger. Yeah. Um, I would have just worked, like I had a strength, I had an asset, it was speed. I would have tried to do exactly what you said, where I'm working on really heavy strength rep ranges yeah. and not so worried about the hypertrophy stuff to go with it. I would have become really strong at my body weight um, yeah. like be strong be robust and able to take contacts and take collisions because putting on an extra three kilos of you know muscle mass isn't necessarily 
going to get you over the gain line when you only weigh 80 kilos anyway. Yeah. So differently me being 80 kilos and pretty quick to 82 or 83 kilos, bit slower, that three kilos isn't going to get me over you who weighs 100 and whatever you were weighing, no. 120 kilos when you were, <laughs> yeah. you know, like it's not going to make that much of a difference. Whereas if you really focus on being very strong, very robust as an athlete and, you know, really accentuating your speed and your explosiveness, you don't have to take contact because you can be the guy with a step so I think for younger guys listen you hit the nail on the head obviously getting into the science of it but like if you have that asset that is speed don't go with a, a, a pursuit of trying to put on three four five kilos when it could negate it and in the grand scheme of things you're not going to be running over lads the size of roads anyway and the thing we talk about with everything with regards to training is that commitment to the process and being patient and the fact that good things take time so like with when you're talking about because i made exactly the same mistake where i went in one season from being 106 kilos to 113 and then by the end of that season i couldn't last more than 40 minutes of the pace and my asset when it came to rugby was work rate so i lost the work rate that i had before so then i ended up going in 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 a space of half season going 106 to 113 over that summer i spent the whole summer losing that to get back to 106 and i played at 106 the next season so it's a lot harder to lose it than put it on <laughs> but, but but that's the same mindset exactly that mindset i was in when i was a young player as well and it's just that trade off of going okay some muscle mass will definitely help me but if I, if I had a coach, then I know that a good coach would have told me, let's do this slowly over time. So you're getting stronger to match that mass. Um, or like you're saying, maybe as certain positions, prioritizing that speed and that explosiveness before. Because as well, when you're a young player, the weight will come as well. Mm-hmm. Like we all find that where now we're at this age a huge amount of our training is just to keep ourselves in good shape yeah. whereas when you were that age you could eat pretty much anything you wanted yeah. and you wouldn't put on a ton of body fat so um, I think as well just being patient with that and it kind of it does apply to everything we talk about and coach in the gym here in terms of you don't rush in and just want to be like really strong first straight away you want to come in and learn how to do the technique properly learn how to train consistently understand what you're doing and then over time then you're gonna get stronger because you're patient and is that challenge that you face jamie then like is nutrition a big aspect of that for you what what nutrition strategies you use to compete uh in terms of nutritional strategies i suppose like i haven't had to change an awful lot uh like just focusing on the basics that we kind of have been always trying to hammer home uh, in the gym has kind of served me well perfectly right just eat pretty much whole foods try to cut down on processed foods protein make sure that you have especially like you're not gonna run well as a sprinter if you're on keto so like you do need to get carbs in right and so the only real change that i feel i've really had to make is that uh making sure the morning of a training i have like a nice solid carbohydrate meal so making sure i'm getting my oats in and so that i have a good base to run off of because it's it's largely like you're you're never working at an intensity where you feel like you're going to be burning fat as your main fuel source it's hugely uh, anaerobic and glycolytic um, and then beyond that just making sure that you're topping that up once you finish a session so like bringing some fruit and um, something that's like a bit quick release like a banana or some grapes and making sure you're staying hydrated uh, other than that I feel like the nutrition has been going well enough I could probably uh, after having put on six kilos in the last year uh, booking up I've found that that's probably that's down to the down second arm, the arm session every week yeah, with the ball absolutely. that's probably what it is um, I could probably afford to uh, I don't think I like I could I'm not going to say lean up but I could probably afford to drop a kilo or two because that, that accounts for a lot when you're carrying that over 200 meters at top speed um, and I've, I've noticed that 
um, in one or two of the races. Like there was, you know, I'm struggling to beat the hundred that I did in my first season, despite having like six, seven more months of practice and experience uh, that I'm doing it now. So I feel like I should be able to beat that hundred time now, but maybe it's just, you know, you are carrying the extra couple of kilos. Like it's going to be tough to do. And um, in terms of beyond nutrition, uh, just in terms of like recovery, I find like sleep has been a massive priority for me lately. It's, you know, sprinting is really, really taxing on your central nervous system. You're exhausted after you finish it. So I find myself taking a lot more naps than I used to. Um, but as a basic rule, I'll just try and make sure I'm getting like at least seven, hopefully eight hours a night with good quality sleep. Um, makes a really, really big difference. You notice it, uh, especially if you haven't got it the day you, like, you're going into a race or a training session. You just don't feel like you can hit that 100%. You're like at 92%, 93%, and you really, that kind of gets in your head a little bit. So good night's sleep is massive for me before a race. And then I suppose in terms of like other recovery techniques, just making sure that like I try and have at least one dedicated mobility session a week. Uh, and I'll try and get some other mobility exercises in as I go. Like you end up being very tight from it. Um, and especially like the hamstrings as well. I had an injury there uh, about six months ago. It lasted about three months. It was just an inflammation of the hamstring as well. So I just have to make sure I'm doing a lot of soft tissue work because uh big part of sprinting is like the quality of your tissue like your muscular tissue and your your tendons and everything is actually a huge part of this because they're stretching and shortening very very quickly and if you have big knots in that or a lot of scar tissue that's going to limit the like the speed or the amount that you can stretch and shorten and um, so just a lot of kind of soft tissue work getting uh, on the ball and just the efficiency of the machine like your muscles have got to work at a rate that if they're yeah. slightly damaged they're not going to work as well um, I, sleep, sleep is such a sleep and the food around racing is such a big thing I remember when I did a bit of athletics in, in school growing up and with the Harriers um, Athletics Club in Kilkenny a little bit of sprinting and some, even some cross country stuff the nerves that I used to get before uh, a race we'll just talk about with the adrenaline like the way that would hit me was I would just feel so sick same as anyone can say before a big game you feel really sick but I would feel so sick until the gun goes mm. I'd sprint I'd feel great the adrenaline hit me but the sickness I would feel after after a race would be horrific mm. um, and I would find it so hard to eat and try and recover and the adrenaline hit if I raced um say four o'clock at the end of end of the day of school if i raced at four o'clock like trying to sleep that night it would still be so difficult because my adrenaline would be so high and um, so I, uh, is it kind of how do you how do you find that so it just affects people differently and uh, maybe i was just so yeah. nervous i was going to embarrass myself in front of everyone <laughs> but you know no i i totally understand um i i would prefer to be going into a race or a training session uh slightly hungrier than slightly full uh like it i find that yeah it it I'm not the one who gets like the butterflies as much before I, I like my nerves kind of manifest in different ways. Um, but I would find that like if, you know, I was doing a 200 meter sprint or if we're training for like the slightly longer distances and you have something sitting in your stomach, like you're seeing that at the end of the session. So I prefer to like, you know, make sure that in the morning or like the lunchtime, you know, a couple of hours before I'm running, I've had like a nice solid meal, but I want to be, a little bit empty going into it now that being said like you know that kind of meal that i'm having after a race or after training like the quick release carbs like i'll have that maybe an hour or two before but something small and light enough like something that's going to be easy enough on the stomach 
because uh, like um, especially if you're doing multiple events during the day because obviously that one you go out and you perform but then uh, if you had that where your stomach's upset but even, or even if you just didn't eat before your next event you kind of maybe get away with it for one event but then when you have to back up multiple events in a day like you're doing then the nutrition plays a bigger role so like I coach a few people who play like tag rugby and uh, touch rugby and obviously it's a similar thing where you have a competition day and you don't obviously like high force outputs high sprints you don't want to necessarily feel heavy and feel like you're digesting food when you're sprinting when you go and play but then also you have to compete multiple times in a day so after that first game you might not have an opportunity to eat a proper meal in those times mm-hmm. i'd imagine this is a similar challenge for a sprinter in regards if you have multiple events during the day you might have like an hour or two break but you're not it's not enough time for a full meal to yeah. digest it so uh, do you kind of have any strategies to help you with that in terms of keeping fueled on a race day this yeah. would definitely interest for crossfit as well a lot of people yeah. doing like crossfit competitions this would be an interesting one yeah uh, like actually just this weekend gone when i was competing there there was probably only about 20 minutes 30 minutes between the one or sorry the 200 meter race and the 100 um and we thought there was going to be a much bigger gap so like we had kind of prepared to have a proper meal and then have a nice a nice long rest and then be ready to go for the next one but that didn't really work out that way so yeah just like same again just get some like nice light sugar in just grapes bananas whatever you can something to Even top up the glycogen well. yeah like, like fruit pastilles because we, we say the whole time that we want to eat mostly real food but when you're doing uh, events like that where carbohydrates is going to be the main fuel source you want it fast it can be something that uh, someone can eat and they can digest it fast and they're going to use it yeah. after but as well they might enjoy it it might be more palatable for them between a race but also as well, like fruit, we say for the most part, like fruit's the best, one of the best sources of Horrific immediately before race. Yeah. <laughs> but one of the problems with fruit, from what I understand, is the fructose and it makes it harder to digest. So sometimes if you eat fruit and you're already having a bit of digestive trouble, then sometimes that can accelerate that. Really? Yeah. So like basically I used to suffer, like Roy said, with stomach cramps. The same thing from anxiety before playing rugby, the nerves. And then I'd get stomach cramps after the game horrifically. And like one of the things that I worked with the nutritionist was uh, cutting out fructose for me. And I actually found it made a difference in going to some of those more simpler sugars because it was easier for my body to digest when when I was having that. Now, it doesn't bother me. It didn't bother me as much when I was playing towards the end of my career because I didn't get as nervous before games as I did before. But... Um, so like for instance a few of the girls competed in a crossfit uh, competition recently and uh, they were asking for advice around what to eat between and i'm coaching one of them on nutrition so for the most part i'm we're trying to eat less sweets and eat more. so then when i gave a lot of pepper i gave her the template for the day i said look look i want you eating a meal three hours before so even if you need to get up a little bit earlier find out what the first event is and work back from that make sure you've eaten three hours to digest eat what you normally eat don't change it because your body gets used to digesting whatever it is have an extra serving of carbohydrates with the meal an extra one to two cupped hands because that's going to help to put some fire in the tank for when you're going to go then when you have the after you've done your race straight away have some carbohydrates fast acting it could be uh, it could be a cereal bar it could be um it could be some sweets 
uh, and then make sure you're drinking fluids uh, recommended she has like Powerade or Lucozade or make her own with the Himalayan rock salt and the uh, fruit juice as a recovery drink to help her replenish electrolytes get fluid in get more carbohydrates back and I said to do that a couple of times between each of the races to make sure you're sorry between each of the heat the competitions to make sure she recovers from that but make sure she has enough feel for the next one and the thing she came back was sweet and then yeah. <laughs> and then chatting to her afterwards she loved having the sweets she's going to compete every weekend weekend. but like that's one of those things where we probably don't recommend people to eat those kind of highly processed sweets most of the time but before a rugby match you see it all the time where there's jelly babies and stuff Jaffa Cakes in the dressing room and when you're doing those multiple events you need the sugars for the event and you want it to get there as fast as possible and then you want to do something one that you feel like eating on the day and two that agrees with your stomach because and also i'd recommend like you're saying in some of your non-official races got trying out your nutritional strategy and practice it and having it down to a fine art because then you know how your body's going to react so then when you do the big race where you're more nervous it's it's just like a groove you don't want to be trying out stuff on the day of your, your big yeah. race yeah especially like sort of fructose and fiber content in fruit fruit as well it's just yeah. like that's they'd be the big things that i'd avoid definitely before i before i compete yeah um so just to kind of wrap up the pod jamie um like you got into athletics reasonably late your transition from rugby like what's the best way for people that want to look to get into athletics uh like I don't want to sugarcoat it. It is quite difficult to do. Oh, yeah, I know. Paul, he's been I know. That <laughs> um, I, I think like if you have had, if you did athletics in school, it's going to be an awful lot easier for you. I hadn't done athletics in school. So when I went to reach out to a couple of clubs, um, I went to Athletics Ireland and I emailed them and they put me in touch with a couple of clubs in my area. Um, so I emailed the coaches there. But one of the main questions they ask is like, have you done athletics before? Did you do it in school? If you did, what kind of times were you getting? Um, so not having had that, it was a little bit more difficult for me to get into it. If you have that, then it's going to be a lot easier for you to get into it. Uh, if not, like one of the policies that we actually have on our team now is that if we have someone coming in who hasn't raced before, uh, but they want to get into this squad, especially like, I know I said that we struggle to get numbers for certain events, but most people who come to us want to do the 100 want to do the 200 the marquee events exactly <laughs> so we have a lot of numbers for those already so uh, I would say that if you want to get onto a team there there's a couple of events that you can do that you don't need to be attached to a club okay. to get a feeling for it see what it's like and part of it is see if you like it and um, most of those are the graded meets you can go on Athletics Ireland's page go onto their fixtures and sign yourself up as an unattached athlete uh, run those get a time and then you'll have like a basis to when you reach out to a club you can be like listen i ran this time maybe you didn't have spikes i would definitely mention if you didn't have spikes but uh Went you can lap. use that as like exactly yeah so i use that as a as an in uh, outside of that if you know someone in a club try and set up a like a meeting with the club coach so uh if like for example i had Aoife who's part of the coaching staff here and she had worked with she was an athlete for DSD for a while so she was able to put me in touch with them which was my in. and then I'd say lastly outside of that if you go to a club and say listen every time that you are short an athlete for an event I will do it for you I'll do the walks I'll do the, the 56 pound throws then they'll probably find space for you um, so it's just about being flexible in that you know maybe you want to go and train for the 100 meter and 200 meter 
but there's other athletes who are better than you if you put yourself forward to be like I can be your like your Swiss army knife for the events that no one else wants to do that's in, that's a hugely uh, important part of the team structure like if you can just get people into that event that's such easy points um, so I'd say yeah get in the grades graded and just reach out he can be like Rudd's the utility forward ideal for the exactly. bench can cover a lot of positions uh, I think that's something that it's just after coming into my mind I didn't realise it was that difficult to get involved in teams I'd imagine if you're younger and you're a parent who's listening to this and you want to get your kids involved it's definitely going to be easier um, but I've just realised that you are going to host an unofficial FFS race meet with all of our members to see if anyone can post any times and get a 100%. bit of an interest going I think that could be because uh, like we've done recently with the powerlifting competition we had a yeah. nice powerlifting unofficial powerlifting meet a couple of weeks ago it was a great success so if anyone who's listening wants to maybe get in touch we'll get down to Irish Town and have a little unofficial Saturday afternoon just email Jamie um, you know his email I'm not going to shout it out here but email Jamie and we might get it set up and see how that goes we up for that that'd be fantastic yeah and you can DMAC you can have another go at me DMAC yeah. I'll, give you a, I'll give you a chance <laughs> uh, Jamie thanks so much for coming in thanks very much